Welcome to the Weekend Sober with Kim and Katsia. As moms in our early 40s, we each struggled with alcohol for the majority of our adult lives. We both stopped drinking at about the same time in November of 2020. We didn't know each other back then, but we eventually met through the sober Instagram community. On our podcast, we talk about how our lives have healed due to the growth we've experienced in sobriety. We share stories of motherhood, marriage, and friendship, and chat all about life without alcohol. We also enjoy talking with a variety of guests about their experiences with getting sober. We're so glad you're here. This week on the podcast, we have Vanessa McDonald, who is the author of The Best Decision We Ever Made. It's actually a compilation of stories of a bunch of different people. Um, It's a really great book. You should check it out on Amazon. Um, In the meantime, listen to uh, this episode of Vanessa's Story that we recorded back in December. to hear that's what Katia was saying that you guys know each other from way back from TLC days and I was there lurking behind my screen never showing my face but yeah tell me how you guys know each other yeah so we met in TLC and um it was funny because I remember you were living in Canada at the time and Mm -hmm. super ironically I'm going to Canada for the first time Sunday morning (laughs) So yeah, I'm just going to Toronto for two nights for work. Oh, that's nice. I know. I know. I'm excited. Um, But yeah, no, I just remember your shares like yesterday, like when you're at your like five month, six month mark, um, and then your journey, you know, moving here and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I used to, when I first started going to TLC after I turned my camera on, like, and started participating, I was living in that, in a, like a triplex and there was like that horrible neighbor downstairs. And I remember sharing stuff about that. This is when I used to share. And then for some reason, once I started sharing on sober Instagram, I just like stopped sharing in TLC meetings slash like now it's really hard with the baby to ever coordinate anything you know and I just prefer to listen because now I teach you know workshops and stuff and I think you know you guys know what it's like when you're leading something and then you just want to be a part of it and I just like sit there but I remember your shares too Vanessa so so we have all been in the same TLC room three years ago and now we are back here Mm -hmm. and we all have a lot in common because we are all writers and Vanessa that is why you are here today to tell us a little bit about your writing venture your recent writing venture right um so yeah we can't wait to hear so tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what what's uh going on with you yeah no so um I am approaching, gosh, what am I approaching? 45 months of sobriety, uh, just over three and a half years. And, you know, one of 
the aspects of my journey, I've, you know, I think a lot of us do this where we go back and think of our, not our former selves, but our struggling selves. And I was spending a lot of time doing that. And as I was doing that in hopes of trying to come up with something I could help people, like providing them something I wish I would have had when I was struggling so much with questions like, am I an alcoholic? Am I not? Like, how bad is this really? I mean, I have a job. I have a roof over in my head. I have, you know, I'm raising four kids. You know, I just struggled with so many big, bigger questions that really kept me in that cycle of addiction for so long. And so what I realized, and I think a lot of us realize once we join a community, but even that is a big step, right? Like for me, I always thought of AA as being the only option. And luckily my sobriety date is March 16th, 2020, when online sobriety programs were becoming a thing. And so for me, going into an AA meeting here locally was just never an option. I was just never going to, I felt like before I walked in, I was going to have to admit that I had a problem, which I didn't even know if I I did. And there were just so many preconceived notions I had about it, whether they be right, wrong, or indifferent. I'll never know. But just for me personally, that wasn't going to work. But when I joined this community and started hearing from people that, looked like me and had lives like me and had busy lives and were, you know, dating and co-parenting and doing all the things that I was doing, that really made me feel less alone and really gave me the confidence that I needed to hear and to be exposed to, to keep going on this journey. And I always tell people, you know, we always, whatever it is in life, whatever goal we have, we always reiterate the fact we needed to, we need to believe we can do something and then do it. And when it comes to sobriety, I don't believe that because even to this day, I still, it's still hard for me to believe that I'm doing this sobriety thing and I'm not drinking. I, it's, and I don't mean to, you know, pat myself on the back, but I still sit back and feel like this is something like I dreamt of, like something I only had hoped for. And now I'm actually doing it. And that doing is that daily, just not drinking. It's an it's the inaction that has propelled me into this life. That daily inaction has propelled me into this sober life. And so for those struggling or just exploring, you don't have to believe you can do it from the onset. It's just finding your jam, finding your community, finding your people, whatever that looks like for you, because everyone's so different. And I feel that, but once you start hearing, start connecting, start getting the support and love that you need, on that daily basis, that's what's going to propel you forward. And so that's 
how this book came about, I felt like me as a person, I type A, Enneagram 7, Aries, name all of the things. I I felt I wasn't doing enough service work to help others. And I felt like putting together a book with stories from people that helped me love myself before I could do it on my own. Like these are my people that helped me get to where I'm at and it's their backgrounds and their experiences and all of the things that they've shared. And so I thought my hypothesis was that this book could help other people in terms of just inspiration and hope that maybe there's a voice in this book that really just resonates with them. And it's what they need to hear to kind of start their own personal journey um, to sobriety and healing. So that's like a really long answer to, I don't even know what I was asked. (laughs) That's a a perfect answer. Great answer. It's a really great answer. Tell us a little bit about what the book is about exactly. Yeah. So there were questions that um, I had sent out to everyone and I let everyone kind of choose the question that they wanted to answer because people automatically assume it's everyone's story. But like I've said, if it was everyone's story, the book would be about 120,000 pages. So it's not everyone's story necessarily, but it's them choosing to answer a question like, is getting or staying sober harder? Is... um how do you tell family and friends about this? What's the science behind alcohol? Because that always, I, I didn't know any of that when I was struggling so much. Um, is Am I an alcoholic? What would I have told my day one self? So those types of questions I sent out to everyone. And my I just wanted them to answer whatever one resonated with them most. Um, As most of these people are not writers, I'm not a writer. Um, And so I just wanted to make it as easy as I could. But it was so important for me to make sure that there was a broad spectrum of everyone um, in this book. And so originally, I had the number 50 in my head that I wanted 50 people and it ended up being 68. So there's 68 different responses to those types of questions. And then the other thing too um, that I asked them to do was create their own descriptor. So how would they describe themselves um, as a kind of prelude to their story? Because a lot of people that are struggling want to pick up a book. They want a quick read sometimes And so I felt like having a descriptor before their response might help people kind of find, find the voice that they would resonate most with. Um, I really like the way that the book is laid out. I got my copy and it's different to like uh, about a year and a half ago, I contributed to a collection of essays from people in recovery and um, it was slightly longer, I think. Yours must have had a word count of less than what, like a thousand words or less or something like that for the responses. Yeah, they're a thousand to fifteen hundred words. Right. Okay. And and I liked well, I love the cover because it's got everybody's face on and it just is so powerful to see the different faces in recovery. Like you were saying at the beginning, Vanessa, about like uh, coming into the room at TLC on a virtual room and and kind of hearing 
people speaking your language and and talking about things that you're experiencing and how powerful it is to recognize that yeah, you can be holding things down, you know, with your career and with your kids and on the outside, everything's okay, but inside you are dying and you, and you are living uh, a life out of alignment with who you authentically are. Right. And um, so I just love that I can like pick up the book right now in postpartum. I've set myself a goal of just reading 10 pages a day because I, I miss reading so much, but I can't, I can't do it all. I have a newborn. So anyway, it's one of the books that I reach for because I can just read someone's story. And I recognize a lot of the names from the early part of my journey too. And I'm like, oh, I remember Brent or whatever. And and it just kind of like um, is cool to see the huge array of like um, backgrounds, but also like beliefs of what brought them into sobriety and what keeps people sober now. Mm-hmm. Like to hear the way you described your, um, you know, not consciously not doing that thing, which is drinking every day, um, not drinking is what is a part of your sobriety. And the way you described it, I would have never thought of it that way. And now that you have, and now that I've heard it, it's another thing I can add to my awareness of what, what we look like in sobriety and how, what a mix of people there are. So I think it's just powerful, um, to have a book like that and to be exposed to, all sorts of people because it, this um, sobriety and and struggles with alcohol it doesn't discriminate it's it's everybody so yeah I appreciate right. it a lot I think it's I think it's such a cool approach and such a beautiful approach I appreciate the fact that it is like being in a TLC meeting because it's so many different perspectives and what I love about it is that you know, it's not forcing you to think in one way and it is, it's exposing you to so many different, um, you know, kind of ways of thinking because it's so many different people's perspectives. And, um, you know, I think that so many of us, when we first stopped drinking, you, you know, there's that preconceived notion that there's this one way to recover. There's this one mm-hmm. path of in recovery. And then, all of a sudden, you know, you start to learn, oh, this, I can do it this way. I can do it that way. Or, you know, I can do it my own way. And this sheds light on exactly that, that, you know, there's so many different ways of thinking when it comes to sobriety. And, um, and I love that. So yeah, it's really cool. And it's it's that idea. You're not alone, right? Right. Totally. And it's funny you say that because in the last few weeks since the book has been out, I have thought of it in a way as it's like going to a handful of meetings without having to go to a handful of meetings, right? And um, yeah. and so being able to kind of dip your toe into maybe what that could look or feel like. Um, and so I think that that's, that's what it is too. It's kind of this like interim step, right. Where you don't know what's happening, but maybe, maybe you read a few stories and you look at, you find a few resources in the back of the book and you're off, you know, at least that's the, that's the hopes. Um, and, um, all of the contributors to the book in the back of the book, there's podcast recommendations and books and different mm-hmm. recovery communities that that all of us have either either been a part of or have you know experienced in one way or another. And so I think that that is um, 
so important too. It's not that, like you said, Kim, there's not just one way to do it. There's, I mean, I always say there's a million ways we get to our day one. And guess what? There's a million days that we get to recover and uh, we get to design what that looks like. Um, You mentioned at the beginning, not at the beginning, but you mentioned that um, just like you never imagined doing life without alcohol or without drinking, like when, you know, when, before you got into recovery and I noticed like, so in the last couple of weeks, um, Vanessa is my friend on Facebook. So maybe I see this stuff more and on Instagram, but, uh, you had a launch party in Chicago, right? Yes. And then I also saw that you were, did a girl's trip with your mom and your daughter to New York city, which is amazing at this time of year. And I just thought to myself when you were saying that, like, can you ever imagine going to New York city and not drinking alcohol? (laughs) Like it just, I don't know. It just, it's, it's amazing what you're capable of in recovery. And that we're kind of like pushing this like revolutionary sort of way of life and saying like, we can still show up and party and have fun and do social events. Kim has, you know, sober in the suburbs and and stuff like that. And it's just, it's proof that life goes on in sobriety. We're not, we're not dead. We're not, we don't have to sit in a basement and feel that that's the only way forward to not drink. And and that's what I say a lot, you know, with, you know, being a co-parent to my kids is that I, I get to be the parent that chooses not to drink Oops, are you there? Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, my screen yep. is like dark. Yeah. Um, I'm the parent that chooses not to drink, and but you know, life as we know, life doesn't stop in life. You know, so I get to go to the Iowa games with them. I get to go tailgating. I get to go boating. I get to go do all the things with my kids. I just choose not to drink, and I think that mm-hmm. that being able to do that and show them that in a you know, day in, day out, that, that, that's hopefully what they remember that, um, that it's not, you know, your life. Yes. There are different, you know, in recovery, there are different chapters, I would say of recovery, but at the same time, I think that, um, life does go on. I do choose what I want to do and what I don't want to do. So this week, for example, I went to a friend's holiday party and I was drinking, you know, the Untitled Art Oktoberfest or whatever beer I was drinking. And I was one of the last people at the party. So I used to mm-hmm. shut down every single party. And I found myself shutting down a party Wednesday night, being the only non drinker. And it was just, it was definitely like there's the real moment because I wasn't even feeling social that right. night. And I went in and just mm-hmm. started yapping away and doing my thing and, you know, running into some people that I hadn't seen in a while. And it was just funny that I, I guess I still shut down parties, even as a non-drinker. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. I have to say, because I i can't remember the last time I did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I, I, I agree. You said, um, like recovery sobriety has like kind of like chapters or, or phases. Right. And, um, like Ketsia said, I, I have this, um, sober in the suburbs, which is like a sobriety social club. And a, a lot of the people in it are, um, that have joined are sort of like newly sober looking for connection and friendships because they're sort of feeling like, Oh, 
like my life is over because I stopped drinking, but then they want to be reminded that, you know, um, life goes on. Like we were saying, like, you, you, you know, you can still go out, you can still have fun just because you stop drinking, the fun doesn't end. And so that's sort of why they join the club and, um, want to make new connections. And so, um, and now I forget where I'm going with this. Like I usually do. I always go off on a tangent and now I forget what I was saying. I was so oh, so. Um, yeah. So like the, um, yeah, there's different, so that's sort of like the chapter they're in, like wanting to, you know, make those connections and do, um, uh, you know, like figure out how to get their sort of, like, we always say like there's their sober feet on the ground. Right. And like figure out what it's like to go out and, um, socialize sober. And so we're all like, past the three, like Ketsy and I just celebrated three years of sobriety. Right. And so now we're picking and choosing what we want to do. And, you know, we know how to like enjoy ourselves. We know how to go out. Like we know what we like to do, what we don't like to do. Um, and we're not just like saying yes to everything or saying no to everything. Um, because we're more in tune with where we are in our sobriety. Right. And like you said, Vanessa, like you went to this party and you were able to stay out till the end of it because you are, you know, in, you know, uh, kind of understanding where you are and what you want and what, who you like to be hanging out with or whatever. Um, but, you know, like I have to, I, I have to take my kids to a concert on Sunday. I say that like, it's the worst thing in the world, but um, we are going to a concert for their, it's their Hanukkah present. And I'm a little apprehensive about it because it is going to be a late night and I don't do late nights. And it's also like, like a lot, it just feels overwhelming. And like my husband's laughing. He's like, it's past your bedtime. It's going to be way past your bedtime, Kim. And so it's, you know, the first, like, this is not something I do in sobriety. Like drunk Kim would have loved it. Right. Going to like this like concert with my, you know, like I would have been all about it, but now I'm like, Hmm, this is going to be interesting concert with all of my kids late at night. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll let you guys know next week. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to, to hear that. We're going to a concert on Tuesday, just a Harper's school Christmas concert. So it's a little bit different, but my husband's like, do we have to go? <laughs> Cause I said, we're not bringing the baby. So I asked my mother-in-law to come over and I thought, Oh, but you're right. Kim, like uh, thinking about how we show up to these things and being like it, your awareness. Whereas before any excuse to go out and do something, it was like, sweet, I'll go and do it because I can drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Or, like yeah. To- or have drank something to drink in a hug. <laughs> Right. Like tonight, my, um, our, our go-to nanny is she wanted to take the kids to the Iowa wrestling meet and she didn't have a ticket for me. Um, and so I get to drive them and drop them off and then pick them up. And like, it seems like yesterday I'd been like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Then I have two hours to drink. Perfect. Like, and the kids are being entertained and they're having fun. So that was like a double win for me, right? Like back in the day, but now I've adjusted it and I'm going to spend some one-on-one time with my oldest, but it's just, it's, I, I can play that tape forward so fast that I know why I'm not going to drink, but at the same time, just as fast, I can play that tape backwards that I go into that 
that automatic thinking of like what I would have normally done, but I get right past it. But it it is Mm -hmm. wild still, you know, three and a half years in how I do think about what I would have done. And I'm like, oh, yep, I don't do that anymore. And we move on. But but it it, it doesn't yeah. just disappear and that um, I don't have a desire to do it, but that's just like how my body and mind worked for so many years. And I'm still, you know, we rewiring it all. That's a really good point, Vanessa, that um, it's not like I ever want to. But, you know, for example, with this this Kiss 108 concert that we're going to on Sunday night, um, I don't want to drink at it. I don't. um have any desire whatsoever, but I am, it's like that, that playing the tape backwards. Yeah. I am reminded of, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, the old me drunk Kim, you know, my former self would have had a field day at this kind of thing because it would have been sort of like, oh, license to drink. Or, you know, my husband would have been like, oh, Kim, do you want a beer? And, and I would have been like, yeah, make sure you get me two because the lines are long or whatever, you know? Um, and it's hard not to think of, how your past self would have behaved in those types of situations. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you were saying, Vanessa, how, you know, when you don't have the kids for a couple hours, oh, this is what I would have done. Um, You know, like last weekend, my husband was away for the weekend. Oh, what I would have done when he was gone for the weekend. I would have drank a ton. I would have drank my face off. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's hard not to go back. And a lot of people will say like, why do you, why do you think about that? And it's like, yeah, you can't not. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we did it for, I mean, I did it for over 20 years. I mean, that's a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think like some, like, like you said, Kim, some people are like, why, when you're sharing about it, why do you like dwell on the past? And I said, well, I don't see it as dwelling on the past. Actually. I see it as I am now given the opportunity in sobriety to, process some of the things that I was holding inside and that I was drinking over and that I'd buried things that had happened in the past and stuff like that. And I see it as my opportunity to allow that stuff to move through me and to grow and learn through those experiences rather than just forgetting, you know, I was a blackout drinker a lot of the time and I um, had suffered like assaults and things like that and stuff that I never talked about to anyone and being able to, uh, you know, talk about it now. And also just if one person feels less alone, that I've shared about something that they're going through too, and I get messages about it and whatever, I I just feel like that, you know, um, Vanessa, you mentioned being of service. And that to me is a huge part of why I share on social media, because I'm able to, and there's a lot of people who don't have a voice to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important. I don't feel that it's dwelling on anything. It's part of who you are. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And when you were completely owned and controlled by a substance for so many years, for the majority of your life, mm-hmm. and you're finally free from it, you can't not right. <laughs> sing about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I want to hear a little bit more, Vanessa. So y- you have four kids. Um, how old are your children? They are 9, 10, 12, and 13. <laughs> wow. So that similar ages to mine. I have a 9-year-old, 11-year-old, and 12-year-old. Um, so 
similar situation in that we, so you stopped drinking a little bit before I did, but, um, and you say you, you had mentioned that you are pretty open about your sobriety with your kids, um, which I am as well. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about that, about your parenting and your sobriety. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So, I mean, back in the day when, I mean, that's how I, I met their dad, right? We were, we were drinking friends and drinking buddies. And then when we were a couple and lived together, you know, we, that's what our whole lives revolved around. And, um, and, you know, having four kids in 51 months, I haven't done any research yet, but, um, I, you know, that was, uh, I was told that it was going to be really hard and really foggy. And so I really took that to heart and I kind of just accepted it and we got through and then, but it was wild because I do now, as I look back, I mean, I probably did have postpartum and I was just drinking straight through it. Um, and it was foggy, uh, but it was also foggy because I was drinking um, to get through those wildly hard. I mean, I think we had, you know, three and diapers at once. And I mean, it was, but when I found out I would be pregnant, I'd stop drinking. That was like a no brain, like that was easy for me. So then, but that also then played a huge role in delaying my sobriety because if I could just stop when I was pregnant, then I didn't have a problem. So that's definitely a double-edged sword there. But I, I am very, I feel very, very fortunate in the fact that in one of the first TLC meetings that I attended, you know, we always hear things at the right time. And I did not grow up um, in a household where there was um, alcoholism. And I remember once someone sharing in one of my very, very first TLC meetings. And they said that when their mom drank, when they were growing up, she just changed. And I could hear my kids say that someday. And that just shook me to my core because I wouldn't get mean. I wouldn't get funnier. I I could see myself just changing and them saying that someday. And that for me was like, okay, I don't want that. So, okay, that's something I don't want. And that's, that was part of the journey too, is I could, I had this like future self and there was like this incongruency, like I wasn't making traction or getting traction on who I wanted to be as a mom, as a partner, as a career woman, as whatever I do. And it took me until I got sober to realize that alcohol was the thing that was holding me back from being all that. I was following all the right people, going to all the right conferences, reading the right books, but I just wasn't getting anywhere. And I, and at the time, I really didn't have the confidence because I was on autopilot. I was being controlled by a substance. And so everything was half-assed because I wasn't fully present. And so when you're not fully present for your life, you're not going to be able to make the traction and the gains that you want to make. And so now when I look back and from the, you know, telling my kids, I'll never forget, I think I was like six months sober or whatever. And 
I said, hey, guys, like, what don't I have in my hand? And they're like, what? I was like, I don't have wine. Like, I had to tell them that I wasn't drinking and that I was excited mm-hmm. about it because they were younger. Um, and they don't remember me uh, drinking. So I will be forever grateful for that. I mean, they remember that mom used to drink, obviously, and that mom and, and the way I describe it is that, yeah, that I would drink and then I would make decisions that I always wasn't, you know, I didn't like the decisions that I made. I didn't like the way I felt the day after. And I want to be present and I want to enjoy everything. And I don't need this social elixir to do that. And it took time and they've asked me questions like, mom, was it hard? Like, well, of course it was hard, sweetheart. Um, And they, they know you know, that my sober community has been TLC and all the Zoom calls that I'm on. They're all my friends and all my all my people are all over, you know, because I, I don't have, I mean, I have a handful of local sober friends. I mean, I live in North Liberty, Iowa. Um, and so there aren't a lot of sober people out walking around. And so they know that this is different. I mean, I'm always the single mom, but now I'm the single sober mom. (laughs) But, you know, I, (laughs) I do, I do answer their questions when they come up. And my youngest, who's nine, he definitely is very, very well aware and has the most pointed questions, you know, questions like, mom, why do they sing in heaven? There is no beer at the end of Iowa games. I'm like, honey, that's a great question. Like, mom, why do they call it spirits and not alcohol? Um, You know, just he's Uh very in tuned with it. And um, and I know, you know, if genetics are involved, they're not set up for success. And so I think, you know, being aware of that, but yet just staying in my lane, doing what I do by not drinking every day, hopefully will inspire them someday when they, they make decisions, um, to just not do it. Uh, but that's not, you know, for me to decide that'll be for them to decide what they do. But I, I am as honest as I, as I can be. It was actually funny that you, you mentioned that because I was at a basketball game for my 10 year old last night and my cousin was there with her son and she told her son, she goes, Oh, Vanessa's an author. Now she has a book. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, what's the book about? And it was really interesting because I don't know how much Kate wants Charlie to know, right, about drinking and having a problem in sobriety. And, you know, he's (laughs) nine years old. And so it was interesting. I said, you know, it's a book about um, many, many people's journeys. Um, So it's basically a storybook. I did the introduction and I inspired and created it. And it's something that I'm super proud of. Um, But and then I looked at Kate, and I was like, I'll let you take it from here later. (laughs) And so I think, you know, I'm very open with my kids, but I don't, you know, I feel like every parent's different, and they can kind of define how they want to talk about it with their kids. Yeah, I mean, I relate to so much of what you said. And and, in just the simple fact that I had three kids under the age of four. I had many babies, not as many as you. Um, But uh, yeah, I think that there was that 
feeling for many years that, oh, I don't have a problem because I can stop drinking um, Mm -hmm. just like I did for nine months because I had to, you know, Um, and but there was uh, maybe postpartum for me, depression. I don't know. You know, it's like I I, um, drank for so, you know, I had been drinking since I was 14 and then I drank harder after each kid, you know, and because the stress of having all those little babies at home and my husband who worked such long hours and I was on my own with these kids and, um, it was tough and, you know, turning to alcohol for the relief of all that stress, um, I can relate a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of moms, you know, we were right, we had kids right in the thick of this mommy wine culture that, you know, was sort of, um, evolving right around when we had them. And so I think so many people can relate to what you're saying. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Katie, are you there? I'm here. Yeah. I just, I, I try to hold back so I don't talk over because sometimes with, we're, we don't have um, video on today, so I can't see look to people for cues. So I'm just listening and using my listening, you know, ears. Um, but I, I know it, it's different when we're not making eye contact. It is. It is. Um, but I know a lot of people record their podcasts like this, which is because I've been interviewed like this before and it's harder for me because I like looking at people. <laughs> um, I know, totally. I'm like staring out the window. I don't know what to look at today. It's such a very weird concept. <laughs> my screen timed out for a second there and then it's I, I refreshed it and it said, uh, we can't connect to the um, video on Riverside. And I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, um, but what was I going to say? Um, no, I just appreciate... Um, your honesty through this whole process. Um, Vanessa had reached out to me when this was just like a seedling little idea in her mind of what she wanted to do. And this was like two or three summers ago, I guess it was. Um, And when when the book, yeah. No, it was last summer. Was it two? I thought it was two. Yeah, okay. mommy brain. Mommy brain. No, two summers ago. It wasn't this summer. It was last summer. Okay, I thought maybe it was that or the summer before. So, and um, I just I love to see how it's evolved. And I'm sad that I I wasn't able to not by any fault of Vanessa's. I was not able to be a part of the process just with the timing of our fertility stuff and all that stuff. But it's really um, amazing to see what you've put out into the world. And um, I just relate to you as a mother and as a human. And I think that, um, I think that this is so amazing. I, I know we'll be providing information for people to get a copy of the book if they want and to connect with you. And um, is there, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think you know, one of the things about the book, um, I asked all the contributors many questions throughout this whole process. And one of the questions I asked them, um, you know, when I was thinking longer term about, you know, marketing and promotion of the book is when you were struggling the most, who did you open up to? And the top Mm -hmm. three were either a loved one, a therapist or a doctor. 
And so for mm-hmm. me, you know, getting this book out into the world has been just heartwarming and one of the coolest experiences ever. But now I feel the real work begins. And this is where the book, I promise the contributors that it's my responsibility to make sure this book gets in the right hands of the right people at the right time. But when you have those three audiences, Mm -hmm. doctors, therapists, and loved ones, I mean, that is obviously so, so wide. And so I have very big desires to make sure, you know, to get this book, which it's a book, I also call it a resource sometimes, but get it into therapy offices, to get it into doctor's offices, even Mm -hmm. attorneys. Attorneys know a lot of things happening in people's lives. I think there's just an endless number of places where this could be. And so while it's overwhelming, it's also such a blessing to think about and trying to pull all the pieces together on how I get this to happen and really, really make sure that these stories are landing in the right hearts and minds at the right time. So so while it is exciting that it's done, I also feel, you know, like I said, I, I'm repeating myself now, but it there are so many channels and avenues, rehab facilities, you know, inpatient, outpatient, it doesn't matter, but just making sure at least people are aware of this and that they can, you know, recommend it or it's in client bags or it's part of book club discussions or it's whatever it wants to be. But, um, but yeah, I have, I have some big to do's on my list and I I'm excited to see, uh, to see this, right. Because it also starts kicking over those, you know, <laughs> those, judgments, you know, the, the judgy judgertons, as I call them out there, where, you know, where, like you said before, addiction doesn't discriminate. And that, you know, in this book, there are teachers, attorneys, doctors, lawmakers, I mean, every walk of life. And so if all these people are being open and vulnerable, who else knows, you know, who's struggling? And that's, you know, not... My job's not to figure out who, but just to make sure that they they know that there's this option out there should they want it. And so kicking down those judgment doors and opening it up with, you know, vulnerable stories that will pull at your heart and will speak to your mind. I think that um, there's just a lot of opportunity out there that that we can focus on. And when I say we, I mean me. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's awesome it's all about re- all about reducing the stigma so yeah that's great thank yeah. you Vanessa really appreciate it thank you thank you well thank you so much for coming on here and we'll definitely put all of this in the in the notes and um make it all up so yeah thank you perfect well thank you this was so fun <laughs> <laughs>